0: Uh, We're going to be continuing today in the book of Jonah, those 48 verses, taking a look. We're going to make it uh, through chapter 2 today, so that's kind of exciting as we get there. As we've been looking, remember the last three weeks, running from God, running from God, running from God, and all of a sudden now, we see Jonah running back to God. Do you know the name Lawrence Peter Barra? Perhaps if I shared his nickname, you would know it, Yogi Berra, uh, kids, it's not Yogi Bear. hey boo boo, hey boo, not, not the cartoon, but Yogi Berra was an American professional baseball catcher. He was a 15-time All-Star, this is big stuff. He was a three-time American League MVP, award winner, and get this, he was a 10-time World Series champion. And as a lifelong Boston Red Sox fan, It took all that I had to be able to even share those things because he, his whole career was a New York Yankee. If you know any, are you a Yankee fan? Um, Gregory, our pastor, was just fired right here on Sunday morning in front of everyone. How about that? I mean, it's kind of rough, although we've done pretty good lately. But anyway, uh, why do I tell you all this? Because most people don't remember all that, unless you were around during that time. And like Gregory, you're a stinking uh, Yankees fan. What do we remember about Yogi Berra today? We remember his quirky quotes. Have you, have you heard any of them? I mean, there's websites dedicated. I'm going to share a few of my favorites this morning. You've got to listen closely, because if you go buy it, you'll miss it. They're profound. Here's his first one. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. What? I love this one. In fact, I, I, I share this one over and over again. It's like deja vu all over again. Wait wait a minute, if you understand that, that's kind of crazy. Okay, that one wasn't so good. You'll get this one. Any mathematicians? I know there's a bunch of math people in this congregation. He said baseball is 90% mental and the other half is physical. <laughs> go ahead and add that up. See, how does that work for you? And I love this one. Now, this, you've got to be a deep thinker to get this quirky quote from Yogi Bear. Here it is. Always go to other people's funerals Otherwise, they won't come to yours. (laughs) Think about it. Some of you haven't got it yet. Think about it. Okay, some of you back there, would you explain it to them? Okay, so they get it. All right, crazy. And one of my all-time favorites, and maybe you didn't know it came from him, is this. It ain't over till it's over. And I know some of you said that. You didn't know where it came from. But, you know, you've heard it's not over till the fat lady sings. That's from opera back in the 1800s. But here's his. It ain't over till it's over. It's over. Can you say that with me? It ain't over till it's over. Some of you English teachers just use the word "ain't." Felt pretty good, didn't it? <laughs> Felt pretty good. Well, why, why do we say all that this morning? Because I want you to get something this morning as we begin. God was not done yet. It wasn't over. God was not done. Yet, I want you to think about that. God saved those sailors, and now Jonah is saved as well. God wasn't finished using Jonah to save people. We know God saves, but he uses instruments, people lots of times, and he wasn't done, and we'll read that and see the beginning of that today. Let me give you a principle this morning. Whether you're watching online or you're right here in the room, Sometimes we have trouble with self-esteem. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we do. And we shouldn't. We need to work through that because our self-esteem ought to be in the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and what God is doing in our lives. But nevertheless, I want you to get this principle this morning because think about Jonah. Of all people out of God's will, of all people who were running the wrong way, God still is going to save them, him in a strange, quirky, miraculous way. Here it is. No one, no one, look at the person next to you, say no one, no one is too far gone from God to save. Not even the castaway prophet hurled into the raging seas. There is hope. No one is too far gone. I want you to get that. Know something about our God, about the Lord that's talked about here, about Jehovah God, about the Lord God Almighty. God pursues us. You ever experienced that in your life? God reconciles us And God then takes all that stuff and he disciplines us and we come out even more and more like him if we work through that and guess what happens? He makes us to become ministers of reconciliation for others. We get to spread the wealth. No one is too far gone for God to save. God uses people, I don't understand it, I don't get it, but that's what he does. He uses people to bring his message of hope to other people for you see something about God he is the one true god and he saves now here's if you want to jot something down here it is i want you to get that today run to god aren't you glad we finally got to say that after 3 weeks of running from god run to god why for he is the one who saves listen church you can run to a lot of things good luck You can run to a lot of things. How's that working out for you? Run to God, for he is the one who saves. Or as uh, one of our church members shared with me the other day, direct quote, are you ready? When you run, make sure you run in the right direction. I kinda like that, that was practical. (laughs) When you run, make sure you run in the right direction. Run to God, for he is the one who saves. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Thank you God, that you're the God who saves. Thank you that you pursue us, that you reconcile us, that you use us as instruments in your kingdom, that if we're out of your will, we can be placed right back in your will. We're grateful for the example and the lessons that we learned today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if you are with us last year, you know we got through chapter one, minus one verse. So let's pick up in chapter one, the last verse, verse 17, and read all the way through chapter two. Don't worry, there's only ten verses in chapter 2 and it's kind of poetic so it'll move real quick here we go verse 17 then the Lord I underline that in my Bible the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights just let that sink in a little bit and then we get to chapter 2 Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish you get in the picture And here it is. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. You heard my voice. And then he gives us some of the picture. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and your current overcame me. Remember the storm? Remember how bad it was? Sailors had never seen anything like it. So, this is what you've done, Lord. All your breakers and your billows, they swept over me. But I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The waters engulfed me up to the neck, and then the watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Remember, I told you last week about my fear of Jaws. Dun-dun. Remember that? Okay. I I would have fears of going down to the depths with seaweed around me as well. Let's go on. Verse 6. He says, I sank. This is his prayer. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its prison bars closed behind me forever, or so he thought. But you, do you see that? He's talking to God. But you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God, as my life was fading away. I remembered the Lord. Can I just remind you that's a good thing? Whatever's going on in your life, whether it's fading away or something is fading or you've lost something, we lose things, don't we? Remember Jehovah God. Remember the Lord. Wow. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Verse 8. Those who cling to worthless idols... Forsake faithful love, but as for me, I will sacrifice to you. With a voice of thanksgiving, I will fulfill what I have vowed. And is this a good vow? Look at it. Salvation is from the Lord, exclamation point. And then we get commentary, verse 10. This is one of the grossest verses in the Bible, in my opinion. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited, that's really the word. I don't know what word you have in your translation, but that's really what it is. And it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Okay, well let's take a look, go back to chapter one, verse 17, and the first thing I want you to see a few things today is the response to the runner. Listen, when we run, there's gonna be a response from Creator God, Almighty God, when we run. Have you ever thought about this? We think about the fish. When a man catches a fish, it's no big news. But when a fish catches a man, that's news. That's a miracle, isn't it? Anybody been caught by a fish in here? I don't think so. You could have been drugged into the water maybe, but no one has this experience like Jonah. Remember, God is telling this story. This is God's Word. Don't forget, sometimes we say, the Apostle Paul wrote, or we read here, or whatever. what What does Scripture commentate on itself? It is God breathes. The very life of God is in every word in our Bible, the Word of God. And so God, in essence, is telling this story. And as we'll be reminded of later, and we've already been reminded of, Jesus vouches for this miraculous story himself. So what is the response? I saw two things here. First one are circumstances, and they're controlled. Circumstances control. The first part of verse 17, we see something if we look. God was in control. Did you catch that? The sailors are not in control. The captain is not in control. Nature is not in control. Jonah is not in control. The Assyrians are not in control. Nineveh is not in control. God is in control. Now, God could have sent a coast guard cutter, couldn't he? That would have been the way to go and thrown the the life ring out. But he didn't. He chose, God chose a great fish. What kind of fish? Have you pondered on that? I have. Many years of study, study of language, history, culture, and I have come up with the answer. He sent a lifeboat fish. Eh, okay. Boy, that went well. I should have ran that by Lynn before I shared that this morning. She would have said, mark that out, mark that out. In any case, God sends a fish. It's an extraordinary means to rescue the wayward running prophet Jonah. And what an effect it had on Jonah. Think about what God did. Sometimes we just read, we're trying to get through reading, we got to read a bunch of chapters today, and we miss some things. Think about what God did here. God sent the right fish. Are you aware of that? And I don't know, scholars have talked about it. it could be this fish or that fish, or God created a special, unique species of fish just for that. Fine, guys. Spend all your time on that. What I want to dwell on is that God sent the right fish. Did you catch that? It's at the right time. The ocean is big. This is the Mediterranean, right? Pretty big. Pretty big. You take a boat from the eastern edge and go all the way and try to get what towards the coast of Spain. That's a long ways. There's a lot of water. God sends the right fish at the right time. It's the right longitude. It's the right latitude. And not only that, we see the fish that God sends. The fish obeys better than the prophet. Listen. Obey God better than a fish or an animal. Or the wind, or the skies, or nature, whatever. We should obey even more, and so we see this. But what we see even more, and I want you to get this, is we think about these circumstances that God controls, we see a great picture of the sovereignty of God. If you're not familiar with that term, look it up and spend some time. Basically, God is not surprised by anything. God is in control. What does Scripture say about God? Before there was ever time, space, whatever you can put into your little brain, before there was any of that, he was. Now when the kids ask you that in VBS, it's a hard it's hard to answer. You can't hardly answer that question, but he was. He always was. And scripture tells us what? He's the beginning and the end. The first and last. He's the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever, we could go on and on. But the fact is, whether you like it or not, or whether I like it or not, whether we like the circumstances of our life, God is in control and he knows what's going on. In fact, he knows it before it happens. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. Sometimes it's correction, sometimes it's discipline, sometimes it's blessing. But God is working in our life. So those are the circumstances. And then we see in the last half of verse 17 that God is creator, and he created some conditions. Do you see the conditions? It's the fish. It's the ocean. And Jonah ends up three days and three nights in the fish, the belly of the fish. Now, I have come across people, many people, in fact, would have a hard time believing that a fish swallowed Jonah. Don't raise your hand. There may be some here today. There may be some watching online. You have a hard time believing that a fish swallowed Jonah. Let's settle this once and for all. Are you ready? Jesus did not have a hard time believing this. Here are Jesus' words, Matthew 12, verse 40. Jesus' words, For as Jonah was in the belly of a huge fish, did you get that? Three days and three nights. Oh, I think we just read that, didn't we? So the Son of Man, that's Jesus' favorite term for himself, will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Now don't get hung up on three days and three nights, okay? That was kind of a colloquialism. That was a phrase that they shared because some of you are going, no way, when Jesus died it was Friday, Friday afternoon, and then Sunday morning. How do you get three days and three nights? No, that's a, a full day. They throw day and night in there. So there was some Friday, there was some Saturday, there was some Sunday. Are you good? It's a phrase. And the phrase is used here as well. But the point I want you to get is Jesus commentates in Matthew 12 on this story. We should believe it, we should believe it. God created these conditions. Now, now, why a lengthy period of time? I think it took time to get Jonah's attention. Has that ever happened to you? Does it take some time sometimes? Do you always confess right away? I don't. Sometimes does God have to take, maybe there's a prejudice in your life, an attitude of your life, a habit, and sometimes it does take time. I love when God does it miraculously. I've known folks who were alcoholics that God miraculously took it away. I've known others that it was a process and took time. Here, it takes time to get Jonah's attention. It takes time to turn Jonah's heart towards God. I don't think he was just in the belly that long, just for fun. I like the way John Phillips states it. Listen to this quote. For a little while, Jonah was allowed to reap what he had sowed. He had rejoiced at the thought of God's judgment being poured out on Nineveh. Do you remember that? They're the enemies. I think he was prejudiced in my opinion. I think he was racist even perhaps. And you might say, well, okay, because they're enemy and they were ruthless. No, there's, there's never, it's never okay to be that way. But he was, I think, rejoicing, as Philip says here, at the thought of God's judgment being poured out on Nineveh. Now he found out what it was like to be under God's judgment. You want to find out God's judgment gets stuck in the belly of a great, huge fish. Jonah had spiritual problems. And now he also had physical problems as he found himself out of the will of God and in the belly of a fish. And God was in control. So there's the response to the runner. But let's look at the main section of the text today. It's a prayer. So we look at the first nine verses of chapter 2. And I think, here's what I call it. It's a repentant prayer of the runner. A repentant prayer of the runner. Jonah begins right here. Here's where he begins his run back to God. And he begins it with prayer. Is that interesting to you? I think it's instructive. It's a good reminder. Are you ready? I want you to hear this. Here's a good reminder for us to pray before we proclaim, to pray before we preach. Our kiddos from far away made it in. We have no sleep. They're on a different time than we are. I had to go out to the office outside by the garage this morning, what? To look at the sermon, but also to do what? To pray, to pray. Not that I don't love the little darlings, but it's hard to pray when they're screaming and running around and it's five in the morning and they think it's two or three in the afternoon, right? It's important to pray before we proclaim. It's important to to pray before we preach. Listen, if you're teaching today, it's important to pray before you teach. In fact, it's important to pray before you share Christ with someone. We could go on and on and on. It's just a good principle here. And he begins by praying. So let's put some P's together and see what's going on. First of all is the place. I don't want you to miss it. Jonah becomes a prayer warrior in the belly of a fish. Picture it, we often don't picture it. We see the crucifixion and we go, yeah. We see this and we go, yeah. We don't think about the horrible, dirty details. It's very hot, science would tell us that. Totally dark, burning with digestive acids. Anybody ever had reflux? Can you imagine a huge fish being in there? Wow, yuck. It's filled with decomposition, I think. It's constantly in motion. Anybody ever have motion sickness? I'll never forget when we were in Hawaii. We are getting ready to go on a cataran- cat- catamaran uh, on Kauai, going around, it's gonna be cool, to sh- go snorkeling with the fish, Jurassic Park stuff, and they put out a spread before, and boy did I partake. All these fruit, the pineapple, you know, if you've ever been, it's unbelievable, and I gorged myself on that. And about a third of the way into, can I tell this story? It has to do with vomit. <laughs> about a third of way in, and I was like, people are having fun on the trampoline, and it's great. And I'm like, whoa. And we got to the place where we were going to go snorkeling. And they said, now, everybody get in together, and just, you know, there's going to be fish all around. You know, picture a cove and Jurassic Park. And all I could think about was, whoa. <laughs> whoa. Man. I felt like. I had been in the belly of a fish with decomposition. I'm gonna tell it. I'm gonna get a, I'll get a note this week, but I'm gonna tell it. The group swam off with the leader, and Lamar swam the other way. Now they would throw a little chum in the water, you know, so the people could see all the fish. I threw my own <laughs> chum into the water. I got sick. And I felt so much better. And as I looked down, every fish in the Pacific Ocean was right there with me. In fact, when we got back to the boat, some people were saying, man, I didn't see very many fish. I could not tell them because my pineapple, et cetera, was right there. Okay. No one has walked out. That's good. See, I'm just trying to be transparent. (laughs) I can relate to what must have been going on for him. He was in a dirty place. His discipline that comes from God is in a rank place. It became a place, though, not of dirtiness or whatever or stench or whatever. It became a place of prayer. Wow. So that's the place. Here's the purpose. I want you to get a little principle here. Here's a principle. God uses adversity in our lives to bring us to the point of prayer. Okay, you don't want to pray, you don't want to spend time with prayer. God let me give you something that you'll need to pray about. God uses adversity to do that in our lives. And here we see the purpose of all this. Jonah's in trouble. He knew it. This the word that's used here is what? He was in distress. That word means trouble. That word means tribulation. It's a strong word. It means anguish. He was in distress. He was no longer thinking, I run from God, I'll pay my way, I'm going to get far away, it's going to be great. No, he's in distress. The scripture says he called out to the Lord. The scripture says he cried out to the Lord. It's the same word that's used in chapter 1, verse 14, when the sailors did what? So they called out to the Lord. So he's doing this to Jehovah God. And he feels shield in his life. Now that can mean a lot of things. I think here it pictures the grave. He's like, this is it. It pictures the grave, okay? He, he felt this in his life. He, I think he, he knew, he believed, I'm in the belly of a fish. This is not going to go well. This is going to end in my grave. He's praying. I think it's the purpose. You see, Jonah's despair drove him to prayer. And I would ask you the question today, what about you? Is God getting a hold of your life? Is there discipline? Perhaps is there some despair in your life? Listen, God uses it all for good for those who know God, for those who are Christians, and those who love God, who are trying to be in fellowship with God. What about you? Is whatever going on in your life, is that driving you to prayer? Are you in God's classroom of correction? Would you today, please, church, would you today call upon the Lord. Would you cry out to the Lord Jesus today in prayer? Would you turn to him and his will? Would you turn from your wicked ways and turn to him? Could we do that today? Remember, it's a prayer. This is what's happening. Please don't miss the fact too. Verse two, did you catch it? God heard Jonah's voice and God answered. It's in the prayer right there. This is our God. There's a place. There's a purpose. There's a purpose. God is doing purposeful things in our lives. And then we get a perspective from Jonah as he's praying. Jonah knows that God is the one who cast him into the trouble. Into It's beautiful poetry here. It's a beautiful prayer. Into breakers and billows. Into discipline. He knows he's the one who does it. He's realizing it's not the sailors. It's not the captain. I didn't fall overboard. This is what God has done. One commentator says it this way. It is useful to consider what it was that cast you out of God's sight in order that you may cast that out of your sight. Did you catch that? That despair, that discipline, that problem. It's good to remember what that was. So what? So with God's help, you can cast that out. You can remove that from your life. Listen, Christians, so often what do we do? We confess and we do it again, don't we? We confess and we do it again. We confess and we do it again. And God is working with us to have the right perspective that we can remember that and with God's help, not worry about that anymore and not do that. Remember, Jonah had been unwilling to go to Nineveh to preach God's message to the Assyrians so that they too could be saved. Do You remember the purpose? Preach the message. So even these these worst of the worst can be saved. I think Jonah's greatest pain was not his calamity. I think his greatest pain was being separated from God. Did you catch verse 4 there? He says, I am banished, banished from your sight. And let me tell you, you don't hear a lot about heaven and hell today. But hell is real, and hell is sure, and everyone who hears my voice today, or whenever you watch a video, I want you to know something. The moment you die, it's it. It's heaven, or it's hell. Now how all that works out, we can debate all that, but it's done, you have the opportunity as God draws you to himself to respond in faith, to place your faith and trust in your life, to confess, to repent, to turn and run to God and say, God, be my savior. But more than that, God, be my Lord. You have the opportunity to do that today, to do that, that this is the only day you're guaranteed. In fact, you're not even guaranteed going out and driving home. Someone could hit you, listen. There's no, it's kind of out in the news right now. Someone's got that idea. Let me tell you one more time. Maybe your kids have thought this, or they heard somebody on a radio, or someone who wrote a book. There's no time. The Bible says it's appointed once to all of mankind to die, and then comes what? The judgment. Yes, Scripture says every knee will bow, and every tongue will profess Christ is Lord. But it's too late for those who have not done that while they hear, while God is leading you. Don't put it off. His greatest calamity, I believe, is that he says this is the prophet of the Lord and he's still feeling it. He's separated from the Lord. He's banished from sight. Are we clear on that? Heaven's a real place? So is hell, are we good? Yes. We need to look at our friends and family that way too. Going to heaven, going to hell. We need to share the message, Christ. And yet, through all this, he remembers. His outlook is changing in this prayer. Are you seeing it? He's turning his heart towards God. He's turning, and he used an interesting term here. He's turning his heart towards God's temple. God. While he's in the fish. Let me give you perspective. God's will is always best. God's will is always best. Well, let's move on to the presence. As his perspective changes, he begins to reconnect. Check it out, verse seven. He says, as my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord. Wow. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. He's changing. Jonah's prayer came into the presence of the Lord. Remember what he was fleeing? In chapter one, the presence, the face of the Lord. He's fleeing, he's fleeing. And now he, the presence is changing. Jonah remembers the God of heaven in the pit of despair. He remembered that God was the only and the one true God. God. He remembers God's grace. Don't forget that, please. He remembers God's grace and mercy and salvation. He remembers God's commission. Look at verse 9, his powerful statement, the last phrase of verse 9, with an exclamation point. It's emphatic. Salvation is from the capital L-O-R-D, from Yahweh, Jehovah God, the covenant God, the God who saves, our God today. That's where salvation is from. Wow. Church, I want you to remember something this morning. Let me share with you a couple of scriptures. <laughs> I've talked about judgment now a little bit, haven't I? But let's not forget grace and mercy and God's plan for us. Lamentations 3, some of you know it, 22 and 23, Old Testament. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're endless. They are new every morning, great, is your faithfulness I don't know about you but I'm inspired to write a song right now <laughs> oh wait they already wrote one right great is thy faithfulness right morning by morning new mercies I sing it all I have need thy hand hath provided great is thy Make it personal, Lord amen. I'm sorry that's low, I'm a bass, I'm not a tenor like David. I'm jealous of those guys that can sing high. But it's, it comes from lamentations of all places. Some of y'all didn't even know Lamentations in the Bible, probably. Yeah, it's good there. Here's a New Testament one. First Peter. Peter's an old man, and he's penning uh, his penultimate work, I think. First Peter and Second Peter. Amazing epistles, letters that God has put into the Bible. And in chapter 1, right away in verse 3, he says this. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his, here it is, great mercy. He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's turning, despair is turning as he's praying. We need the proper perspective. Well, how do we get that? We gotta be in the presence of the Lord to realize he loves us and he has a rescue plan for us and he does great things for us. And then we get to the promise, the last one of the prayer. It's verse nine. There's a vow. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed, salvation from the Lord. Jonah promises to do what? He's promising to praise the Lord, to pay to the Lord, if you will, to lift up his voice, to carry out his vows, to give thanks to the Lord and to do his commission, to go about and tell the Lord. Church, so too are we to do this. We are to walk In the Lord and here's the problem guys too many Christians are walking in the Lord without Thanksgiving without gratitude guys our attitude sometimes pushes people away have you noticed that we whatever it is there's got to be Thanksgiving there's got to be gratitude look the guy is praying in the belly of a huge fish and offering up thanksgiving. Listen to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, speaking to the believers there, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. But there's conditions, are you ready? Rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and here it is, abounding in thanksgiving. So, what a prayer it was, the repentant prayer of the runner. All kinds of, I mean, we could, you know, we could write a book. Wait, someone has written a book on this. Yeah, you could write a book about it. And then we get to verse 10. Let's not miss it. I think here's where it's happening the return of the runner. Boy, it really takes place. It's getting ready to snowball in chapter 3. It's another miracle. Look at verse 10. It's another act of obedience. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto, what does it say? Dry land. Notice the fish. Did you catch the fish in this uh, biblical prophetic narrative, God's word? The fish knew right where to pick up Jonah, and he knew right where to to deposit him. Isn't that interesting? That doesn't surprise me. You know why? Our God is a God of details, our God is in the details. As we experience God, we look back sometimes and we see this pillar, this marker, and we see, we didn't know it at the time, but God was in the details doing things in our lives. You see, God would not place Jonah in Tarshish, on the coast of Spain or Italy, North Africa. No. I believe God placed Jonah on dry land right where he could fulfill the command. Go back to chapter one, verses one and two. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up, go, go where? To the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their wickedness has confronted me. That's the word of the Lord. I think God is in control. I think God begins his return with the prophet and he drops him right where, go. I don't think he had to take a year long. Scripture would would have mentioned that. He didn't have to take a year long trip to get there. Now let's think about this today, church. Maybe you're going through a little discipline and you're yearning for God to deliver you from whatever's going on in your life. Sometimes we don't have a choice how we will be delivered by God. What we have to do is repent and we have to place ourselves before him and God deliver me. God change me. But we don't get a choice on how it might ha- happen. There's a, a great Hebrew word for this verse 10, how it happened. It's the word yuck. <laughs> yuck. I would not want to be delivered in this way. But this is how God did it. You see, we should be thankful that God disciplines us. We should be thankful that God works in our lives. Think about this, Philippians chapter one, verse six. This is powerful. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will what? Bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Here's the good news. He's working in your life. Here's the bad news. You have not arrived yet. But here's the other really good news. When Jesus returns, God will complete it. Isn't that gonna be great? Isn't that gonna be great? You see, God has committed to work in us, just like working in Jonah's lives. God not just saves us, but he keeps us. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Therefore, he is always able to save those who come to God through him. Talking about Jesus, since he always lives to intercede for them. Aren't you grateful that God is working in your life in various ways? It could be through nature. It could be through other Christians. His word through prayer. And also, Jesus is at the right, the scripture tells us, at the right hand of the Father. What's important about that? Power, throne, majesty, heaven. And he's doing what? He's interceding. He's interceding. He's praying for us. That is awesome to think about. Let me close in this way this morning. Notice that Jonah ended up on dry land. And he could immediately head for Nineveh. Let us not forget this great story, what the commission, the call was. You see, I believe that God is a God of action. I don't believe he is a God of inaction. I think the fish put Jonah right where he could just head out. I think that's true in our lives. God is a God of action. Listen, you can't just wait around. You you can't go to a convent or a monastery and spend your whole life. God is a God of action. Do you know God is ready to work in your life today? Do you know that church? Whatever it is, some of you have lost loved ones this week. Some of you have a a difficult relationship with a child or with a parent. For some of you today, Mother's Day is a tough day. We're sensitive to that. We understand that. For some of you, it may be something that nobody else knows about. A habit or an evil little secret. Perhaps it's just disobedience. Perhaps for you it's laziness. Perhaps it's apathy. Oh, this this is not going to spend time with God. It doesn't matter what is going on in your life. God is a God of action. He is ready today to work in my life, and I am happy about that. What about you? He is ready to do that. He's a God of action. He wants you and me, I believe, to quickly respond to him and his discipline. We don't have to take three years to respond to God's discipline or correction in our life. We can choose to confess and begin and repent, really. Let's not just confess, church, let's repent. We can do that today. What an amazing Mother's Day 2021. If some of us would just go ahead, we know what we need to do, we would go ahead and confess and take action and get after whatever it is the Lord is wanting to do in our lives. So let me ask you some questions and we're done. Have you been saved by the Lord? Verse 9, salvation is from the Lord. Listen to me. You cannot rely on your parents today. You cannot rely on your family, your grandparents You cannot rely on your Sunday school teacher, as great as that teacher is. You cannot rely on the church family. You cannot rely, and I've heard this before, well, I'm an American. I'm like, what does that have to do with being a Christian? (laughs) I'm telling you, I've heard that many times. (laughs) You can't rely on any of that stuff. It's between you and the Lord. Are you saved? It's not just a head knowledge. It's a heart knowledge. Has God drawn you? I believe he has. Is he drawing you? Why are you here? Why are you listening today? Because God is in it. Have you been saved? Have you placed, all of you, your faith and trust in him? Why not today? Let me ask you another question. Has his discipline in your life driven you to prayer? Hmm. Can you thank God? Here's a hard one. Can you thank God for his correction, for his discipline? I've talked to many people over my lifetime. I just don't feel God talking to me. I, I just don't feel it. I, I just don't know. I, it's just hard to take that step. And for a lot of those people, maybe it's the step of being saved. For some of you here today, and we're emphasizing this, this month, it might be the issue of baptism. But I'm just not hearing God. Listen you got to be baptized after you're a Christian. And it needs to be done in a certain way or mode and before people. It's a profession of what God has done in your life. If you haven't got the order right or the method or mode right, I would say to you, I'm glad you got wet, but that doesn't count. Oh, God's really not speaking to me. Listen, or it could be something else. You need to go do this or that. Oh, God's not speaking to me. church. Get something from right here. If God can speak to a fish, he can speak to you, and he can speak to me. Amen? Think about creation for a minute. God put us, humans, in dominion over nature, the animal kingdom, the world. Yes, Sin come in the world, messed everything up, but still, God, Scripture has, says, has placed eternity, has placed eternity in our heart. We're different than animals or plants or even your beautiful flowers in your yard. We're different. If he can speak to a fish, he can speak to you, and he can speak to you right now. And I've been praying that God would be speaking to you right now. It is time. It is time to run to God. Run to God the God who saves. Let's pray. God, we're going to have a response time here, and I pray that people would respond to you for whatever it is. God, it could be that they need to be saved. They've, they've never taken that step, they, they've never placed their life in your hands that they would do that today. For some, it's the idea of that big step of discipleship. God, I, I need to follow you in baptism, I need to let everyone know what you've done in my life. For others today, God, it could be, hey, I need a church family. I need to make a decision on that. For others, it could be something, a prayer, some prayer that something's going on. I don't know. But God, would you speak? God, would we respond however you choose? In your name we pray, amen. Now, look, we're going to have a short time of response time. Would you stand with me? I want to make it easy on everyone. Just stand for a few minutes. If you want to pray, pray. If you want to sing, sing. But I would like for you to come down and share whatever it is that God is leading you to do. I'll be right here. You can come see me. We've got folks on either side. Whatever it is, would you respond right now? We won't go long, but we want you to respond. Do it right now.
1: see on the portals he's waiting and watching he's watching for you and for me so come
0: on this morning various things prayer is needed being part of a church family all kinds of things going on what about you we're going to finish right now you can still respond later you can talk with somebody maybe you came with someone in your class feel free to do that but remember we are not guaranteed tomorrow God wants you to act on whatever he has put into your heart Pray that you, you would do that today.